Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called Allbrace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the Allbrace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. All right, guys, this is Ryan with Torsion Talk Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, season six, we're talking about company culture and the things that you can do to improve your culture. Uh, as you guys may already be aware, we are filming Committed to Culture. Right now, we just rolled out our first episode. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll be second episode. And uh, we are basically documenting our journey to how we're working on our culture. Um, you get to see the things we do right, things we do wrong. And um, so make sure you're following along, along with that. It's called Committed to Culture. It's on the such and such media YouTube page. Uh, so go to YouTube. Uh, you can search such and such media or you can search Committed to Culture. I've seen both come up. So uh, feel free to check that out. Today, uh, I have a lot of people. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. But if you're not, let me introduce everyone. So I've got the lovely Tamara in the top left corner. Hello. So she's joining us today uh, as usual. In the bottom left, we've got Greg Giaquinto with JAG and Sons. How are you, bro? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. So he's no stranger to Torsion Talk. He's acting as a co-host today. Uh, and this was actually his idea. I, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a backseat. I'll be involved in the conversation, but we'll get it figured out. And then uh, we have our guest today is Doug Kidd, and he's with Resource. Um, and so Greg and Doug have a relationship to some degree enough uh, for Greg to recommend Doug to come on and talk about um, company culture. So we're going to kick it off with that. Doug, you want to introduce yourself, tell our audience a little bit about who you are. And I checked out your LinkedIn. You've been like, you're a pillar in the door industry. Apparently you've been in it for a long time. So give us the scoop on your history. Um, well, I started in the, in the door business in 1980. I was working for a company in upstate New York um, that was involved in import export of hard goods and um, uh, started um, identifying components and products that the garage door industry could use that we were able to supply. That company was Fair Brothers. So we started um, supplying fasteners and um, 
cable products uh, to the garage door dealers uh, around the country and grew that to uh, a, a broader product line over the five years that I was there uh, with them, left there in 1985. Spent three years with a company called Horman Corporation when they made their first attempt to come to the US with a German engineered manufactured garage door opener system. Uh, following that uh, opportunity, I was spent three years with Napoleon Links in Ohio as the VP of sales. Um, left there in three years later, the exact date. So. <laughs> Like me, I came to, to Texas and spent uh, 10 years as uh, vice president at, at National Door Industries, left there in 2001 and started Resource Industries as a wholesale distributor of products to the garage door industry, both to the dealer and the distributor and to some extent the OEM. Uh, so that we are, we're just over 20 years uh, uh, in this business uh, as Resource Industries. Uh, we are fortunate to have continued to grow through um, um, the ups and downs of uh, the 2008 cycle and certainly the last couple of years of the pandemic. It's been interesting, um, but we've been very fortunate to have a great group of people here and that continue to grow the business. Um, uh, yeah, I was involved with the, uh, the trade associations uh, originally with Dota, then with uh, IDA and uh, with IDEA. Uh, serving on the boards of all three of those organizations. Um, and we continue to support both IDA and DASMA and a number of the regional trade associations as well. We see that as an important vehicle for communication to you know, our customers and an opportunity for them to learn and for us to learn about each other's businesses and how we can best serve them. That's awesome. Greg, you want to introduce yourself? Because I'm sure there's probably some people that don't know who you are. I don't know how. You uh, you host Monday Morning Mindset on Monday morning of all times. Uh, it's a, if you guys aren't familiar, haven't tried listening to it yet. Um, Greg does a little Monday morning inspiration. And uh, it's a great way to start your week. It's short. It's sweet. It's good. You listen to it. You're in and out. It's like a perfect length for just driving to work or whatever. So uh, make sure you check out his show. But Greg, you want to kick off, tell a little bit of history about you real quick? Uh, yeah. So I appreciate that uh, that quick intro. And and yeah, definitely check out Monday Morning Mindset. Uh, mindset is, you know, kind of something when I really look at it, something that I've been working on for a long time. And so I kind of like to share what, what I've learned and, you know, continue to learn stuff from, you know, like Brian, you, Doug, I've learned a lot of good stuff from you, Tamara, as always, but um, we're out of Connecticut, JAG and Sons Overhead Door. I know you see my logos there, Elite Entrepreneurs is just a Facebook group that I have. It's a private group. Come check it out. More content like the Monday Morning Mindset stuff. Um but that's it in a, in a nutshell, I guess. We're a relatively small company. We got three trucks on the road, just to give you an idea of our size. And we've been purchasing from Resource for at least a couple of years and, and more so in the last year to two years than before that. And it's been a great experience, which is why we're here today. Good deal. So I take it the reason Greg wanted to have you on was because uh, you probably know a little bit of something about company culture. I mean, you've been around the block a little bit. So uh, what's company culture mean to you and, and resource industries? 
what it, what it means to me is that, um, first of all, I, I'm a firm believer that it's not the inventory, it's not the machines and the equipment or the computers that you have that determines the, uh, the real value or the success of your company. It's always the people whether you're a one or two man operation or you've got you know, 50 people in your organization, it's always the people. And they have to be um, feel that they're valued. They have to feel that the contribution that they're making is important. Uh, they have to feel that they're, uh, that they're seen within the organization. And if they, if, if they are happy to come to work every morning, uh, they're going to treat your customers the way that you want them to be treated. And so it all begins with how you recognize the, the need for uh, recognition, for training, um, for um, encouragement of your staff and giving them opportunities to grow within your organization. Uh, so from a culture standpoint, I think that um, you know, those are pretty basic things that everybody tries to do within their organization. And, and to the extent that you succeed, will determine how well your organization is going to succeed. Um, I've, I've worked at places, and probably all of you have at one time or another, where that wasn't necessarily how employees were treated. Um, um, they're treated uh, very often like a number, um, and oh, let's just get another body to stick in this position. I have no interest in in doing that at all. Um, you know, we want to create some place that people are happy to be, um, so that they can translate that to the relationships that they have with their with their customers. So um, it's it's not one big major thing that you do that creates that culture. It's lots of little pieces all through the course of the day, the week, the month, the year uh, that create the environment for the new guy that you just hired and the person who's been with you for you know, 20 years um, to want to be there, to want to continue to contribute, um, to feel valued. And that it's, there's no secret sauce to it. It's just paying attention to your people, I think. But, so you know, I know I said, Greg, I'm going to let him jump in here, but I have a question I really want to know the answer to, and then I'm going to take the back seat. So um, what are some things you sound really intelligent with this, but I do have conversations a lot with people where they're like, um, you know, I think culture is a lot of things like what you said. It's a lot of little things that add up. And uh, I, I actually was going to start like a recruiting service in the garage door industry because there's such a big need for one. Uh, I kind of backed off because I talked to like five or six companies and they were like, yeah, we're having a hard time. If you can find a solution, that'd be great. And so um, I'm a marketer, so I'm able to get applications pretty easily for my door company or my marketing agency. So I feel like I've got some things figured out with that. But when when I try to run ads for other companies, they don't work as well because they don't, they don't like the ads are built for the culture and the benefits. And it needs to be about like, uh, what can you do for the employee in order to make them effective? But in reality, like, I just don't think the garage door industry, like us as dealers specifically do a whole lot for our employees. So it makes it really hard for us to offer things that attract top talent. And so, um, I think uh, like benefits and all that stuff are, are great and help uh, bring us uh, great, more mature people into our industry, more skilled labor. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we can do like, we can do a better job as employers taking care of the people that we already have here. So my question to you is uh, what are some things that you do 
or your your management staff does or your employees do that make the um, the experience at resource so great and the culture better? Other than our winning personalities, beyond, beyond just that. Because um, yeah, I don't know that a lot of these guys can change their personalities. So <laughs> that's out the window. Um, you know, I, I, there's a couple of things that, that, that we do. Um, we commit to regular reviews of the staff, whether it's a, a new person that's under a 90-day or 120-day review. We commit to staying on that timeline. We also do annual reviews for each of the employees, and we don't let those things slide a month or two or three or four months uh, uh, before we do those reviews. We do them on time because those are the commitments that we've made, and it develops some uh, some trust in your staff that they know that that hey, you know, they told me I'm going to have a review at this time, and, and it actually happens, right? And on those occasions when we when we missed the date by a week or, or in some cases even a month. Um, when we've done a, a salary adjustment for one of the staff, uh, it's retro to when that date originally was, uh, so that they, they know we're trying really hard to um, properly care for them and recognize them from a monetary standpoint. Um, so that, that's, that's one thing that I, I think it's important. The other thing that we do um, is we try to do training at the front end uh, when we hire people in, whether they're working in the warehouse or they're working in the office or in sales. Um, we try to provide the appropriate level of training. Um, and that's probably the one place where we are continually working to try to improve that. Greg, you and I talked about that here a few weeks ago, but that's, that's something that we continue to try to improve on so that our people are comfortable when they're talking to their customers, right? Um, the other thing we do is... Um, you know, we recognize, uh, we used to recognize everybody's birthday. Silly little thing, but people like to get recognized for the birthday. When we get to a certain size, we say, okay, now it's, it's March. Who's got a birthday in March? And we do one recognition day for whoever's got their birthdays in March, rather than some months you might have five people and you have nothing but birthdays going on, right? So we, we try to do that to recognize people's birthdays. Um, and first Friday of every month, um, uh, we bring breakfast in for the staff and they get to pick what it's gonna be. And, and um, you'd be surprised how important it is <laughs> that, they, that they know that they've got that breakfast coming in. So it's, it's little things like that. Um, uh, we encourage people to take their vacations. Um, we get on the staff if, they, if they've got vacation built up and they haven't been taking it. Um, uh, we want to make sure that they're um, refreshed and energized and ready to, to be at work and not just worn down. Um, and you don't want them to retire five years early because they have all that in vacation time either. Yeah, we haven't we haven't run across that problem yet. But, uh, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> but yeah, to your to your point, yeah. But but it's important that they that they take advantage of all of the benefits. We um, and then you get your. You know, other benefits, healthcare benefits, and, and things of that nature. We try to make sure that people understand how they work. Um, we try to train them uh, properly on how to manage their 401k investments, and the company does a match on, on those things. So all of these small things that create a, a sense, hopefully, on the part of the employee that we really do care about, uh, about each of the employees, and we want them to stick around and we try to create an environment where they'll do that. You know, we've got a uniform service because we want all of the staff to look and feel good 
uh, when they're working in the warehouse. Um, and um, it pr provides a level of professionalism uh, in the way that they see themselves. Um, you know, there's, there's probably other things, but those are probably the key things that, uh, that we try to do. It's so interesting to me because a lot of the things, Ryan, it, it are things that that happen at air and overhead doors too. So that's the crossover there is is pretty interesting. We do a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it, and to your point, it's it's not rocket science, but it's easy to overlook, right? Right. It's easy, it's, you know, everybody has had a situation as a as a business owner or, or a manager where you've got a, an employee who treats you badly. Either they they uh, overstayed their, their uh, medical leave or they, uh, you know, you lent them some money and they didn't pay you back. You always have some little situations like that where somebody's going to take advantage of the company. And if you're not careful, you can get jaded and, and, and say, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, bend over backwards for our staff anymore because look what happens. And that's a, that's a, a risk of, developing a negative view of your staff and, and we try really really hard not to do that we're all we're all just always going to have somebody who you know didn't didn't wasn't satisfied didn't work out and and it's no harm no foul but you can't let it jade your view of your staff because they really really are the core of your business and if they're not happy it's not working oh my god greg please let me just say one more thing i just want to say one more thing please <laughs> all right so on that I, I was getting there, like genuinely getting to the point where I despised people, employees were stealing from me or cheating me or quitting with no notice and just putting me constantly in binds. And, um, you know, I quickly realized a couple of things. One, uh, you have to give without the expectations of receiving um, as an employer. So, if you, if there's something tied to it where you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this so I can get this in return, then you will grow to get better when people take advantage of you. And I was kind of headed in that direction. So maybe my heart wasn't in the right place, but at the same time, um, I feel like hiring the right people is super important too. And a lot of times you don't know if they're right until after they start, but if you create that culture, it's easier to find those people and then your other employees kind of hold them accountable too, but systems, uh, processes, accountability, and then just having the right heart, um, that, you know, Hey, I'm creating a great culture and trying to treat you well, because I want to not because I want you to work harder or whatever. Like those things are great and I do appreciate them, but that's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing it because I care. And, um, it still hurts when people take advantage of you, but it's not like, I did all this for you and you just spit in my face and blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, so I feel like it's a little bit different if you, if you have that mentality. Um, and I just, and the reason why I say that is I just like within the last probably year really dealt with that myself. So I just wanted to share that. Maybe, maybe it helps somebody. Yeah, to, to your point, Ryan, I mean, it's, it's inevitable you're going to have those kinds of situations when you with human beings, you know, they, they all have their own, you know, circumstances and, and baggage and motivation. You're, you're absolutely right that hiring the right people is, is critical. I mean, you're not going to hire people, at least in our business, who know 
the garage door industry. <laughs> nobody, nobody graduates from college and says, I'm going to go be a you know, garage door guy. It just doesn't happen. So you're looking for people who have the right chemistry, the right fit within your organization, who have the intelligence and the adaptability to be able to um, learn new skills. And we'll teach them about garage door hardware or, or those sorts of things. But I can't teach them how to be nice people, right? Right. So it's important that you try to identify that at the front end and, and find people who are going to fit that um, that chemistry that you create within your organization and you teach them about the stuff. So, Doug, that actually brings up, uh, this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, you can teach them about the stuff. You know, you can hire a person for who they are and then you teach them the stuff. How long are you giving people? What kind of expectations do you have as far as a timeline when you bring somebody in? How many chances do you give them to learn the stuff before just the simple fact that they fit the culture isn't enough? Or is the fact they fit the culture enough for you to find something for them to do? Sounds like an experienced podcaster question. Good job. Yeah, the, the, the short answer is it really depends on the situation of the individual. Um, there are, generally speaking, for most, most positions in the warehouse uh, where we're either receiving merchandise and packaging it or we're pulling orders and processing, um, you know, we expect that it's going to take between six months and a year for a person to really master um, all of the information that they, that they need. Um, Having said that, you can be, you know, anywhere from two weeks to two months into a relationship with a new a person and recognize whether or not you've got a keeper or not, you know, um, you've got somebody who perpetually can't get to work on time or uh, every third Monday they're ill or, you know, um, things of that nature, you start saying, okay, this, this is not necessarily working for us, right? <laughs> And so you'll short circuit your relationship with them probably sooner than you would uh, if someone's just having difficulty learning the, the product. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say that if somebody's been in the, in a position, either in the office, uh, in sales or in purchasing or something like that, uh, or in the warehouse, if they haven't figured it out in a year, um, then it's likely they're not going to. And it will be shorter than that uh, in some cases that you'll recognize whether you've got uh, uh, the right fit or not. Yeah, and that is a tough call to make because if, if they fit and they seem like a good team member, but they can't do any of the jobs that you need them to do, at some point, you know, I, I, I Ryan and Tamara were kind of chuckling maybe because they know that I just dealt recently with someone that I had, um, you know, attendance issues with. And I, I ended up giving multiple, multiple opportunities, incentives, incentives to show up on time, basically. Like not even say, hey, if you don't do this, you're fired. Like, hey, if you can do what I hired you for, I'll pay you more. <laughs> right. And um, it just it didn't work out. And it, and I had to let that person go. And you know, it, that kind of stunk. But um well, but, but you're you, you do the right thing there because I mean we're we're pretty you know, we're a pretty fair company to work for, but we have some hot buttons and one of them is, you know, be here on time. And on time doesn't mean running through the door, you know, at eight o'clock so you can hit the, you know, hit the time clock. It means being here and, and your lunch is put away and you've made your coffee and you're ready to go at eight o'clock, right? Yep. Um, yes. And uh, if you, 
if you are working with someone who is perpetually unable to get here on time, it's a it's a it's a symptom of a deeper problem. Um, that there's a lack of respect for the job, or a lack of respect for the company, uh, or maybe a lack of respect for their own time or their own uh, individuality. I don't know, but you can't fix that. You know. Yeah. You can encourage people. You can you know. Uh, give them a couple of warnings and we, we do that we'll give people three warnings and the third warning it's 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 over you know uh, yeah. because you're not doing yourself or your rest of your staff any favors by letting that sort of stuff go on well those three warnings are a clear expectation too like it's if you've got it defined yeah you know that's what gives you the power that leg to stand on um you know and if you've got a good environment that people want to come to that should be enough to to get them to to do that um, you know, when you do your reviews, so it sounds like you do sort of like probably like a 90 day for new hire, and then you do some annual reviews. Does everybody have a kind of a custom tailored um, set of metrics that you look at? Or do you have very specific ones that apply to everybody? What are you looking at when you have those meetings? And what do you give your employees up front to let them know what you're going to be kind of measuring them by? Um, well, each position has a, a pretty specific job description, and they, they know what that is. Um, and uh, we ask people to give us their goals for the coming year when we do a review, uh, so that we've got something to measure against. And then when it's time for the review, we say, okay, um, we need your analysis of your past year. How do you think you did? And what are you planning to do for the for the upcoming year? And so we take that information along with our own uh, assessment of their performance on a variety of things, and be it attendance, be it the interaction with their supervisor, or um, uh, any number of, of uh, you know, key indicators that we look for, depending on what the position is. But uh, um, we want them engaged in self analysis as much as we do. Um, giving them feedback from what we see in areas we'd like them to improve. And then we probably will often provide challenges where we say, okay, we'd like you to you know, gain this skill. We'd like you to cross train to this new position. And if you do that, uh, there's some additional you know, a salary adjustment that we'll make for you or those sorts of things so that there's opportunity for them to continue to grow. Do you guys have, I, I want to touch on what Ryan and Tamara commented in, but do you guys have a set of core values, like actually written out for your company? Uh, yeah, um, it's pretty It's pretty brief and it's pretty simple. And I think you and I talked about this a little bit. Um, and everybody remembers their first order or their first transaction that they had to do with their job. And uh, when I look at it from the standpoint of this company, I remember our first order and um, Man, we'd have, we'd have knocked down brick walls to, to take care of that order and get it out and have it be on time and, and all that sort of stuff. And there was we, whatever we needed to do, we were going to do. Um, and if you recognize that every order that you get should be treated like it's your first order, and more importantly, that it could be your last order, 
um, that, that's kind of our golden rule of how you're supposed to deal with your customers and, and treat the, the opportunities that they're giving you. Like it is your first order and could be your last order depending on how you handle it. And um, that means that when you pick up the phone and answer the incoming call, that you, you speak appropriately to the person on the other end, you're happy to talk to them, you're here to solve their problem. Um, or when you're reaching out to someone to let them know that their order just shipped or here's your tracking or here's your follow-up on a back order or whatever it might be, now, those are all touch point opportunities that you have to treat it like it's the first order. And if you do that, any situation that our people are going to run into, they're going to know what to do because it, it's, it's pretty self-evident, right? You're not going to be rude to the guy that's giving you your first order. You're not going to be curt or short or, or dismissive of the guy who's giving you your first order. No, you're going to treat that fellow like he's a king. We'll treat every order that way. And that solves all of the problems. When you, know, you have a customer that calls up and says, oh gosh, I, you know, I got this shipment and it was damaged or you sent me the wrong thing. You know, my staff will come to me and say, well, I've got this situation and you know, what, what, what should I do? My answer is always really, really simple. What's the right thing to do? And put it back on them. What's the right thing to do in this situation? It may be different than the, the next problem that you're going to bring me, but what's the right thing to do in each of those situations? And that's what you're going to do. And it gives them empowerment to, to be able to solve those problems uh, on the fly and not be, oh, I got to go check. And let me go see what's happening. They, they know what to do because they're going to do the right thing for the customer. And if they do that, you know, I'm fine with it. It's a fair deal. Um, and hopefully the customer's happy with that. So that Doug probably was the biggest takeaway that I was. So I, I don't know if I didn't share this with you guys, but you probably got the idea. Doug was kind enough to take some time out of his day, um, even though they're you guys are moving. And so they've got a lot going on. And and he was kind enough to take time out of his day to to just have a conversation with me about this stuff and answer my questions as many as I had. And and you did. You mentioned that first order and, and that probably was my biggest takeaway and something that I actually kind of turned around and, and started reapplying to my business because it was something that I had, you know, you start to lose as you grow. Every time you bring somebody in, they have to acclimate to the culture and you get to teach them things. And so um, every time I bring somebody in, it becomes a little less me until we get them up to speed. And that, what you said about the first order was was a really big takeaway and out of what you just talked about you know makes me think um empathy accountability professionalism um which is pretty powerful that you sum all that up in one statement and so your culture is defined by that one statement but it really means a lot of all these other things which is really cool um so i definitely i, I like that um back to some of the employee stuff, um, Brian had said, bad employees create frustrated good employees. And Tamara kind of agreed that. And the strong team will weed out the bad apples, um, which is also pretty true. Because uh, Ryan, you had you had something recently, right? Where your team kind of was like, hey, how much longer is this person going to be here? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's happened multiple times where, we, you know, we've had an employee that's maybe from an employee perspective, getting away with things that they shouldn't, but we were addressing it behind closed doors. Um, and then, you know, it would happen, something else would happen and we'd address it behind closed doors. And then eventually it just got to the point where we we're like, Hey, listen, you know, um, 
you forced this, like, right? I mean, it, we don't want to let you go. We like you, but you made this decision. We've already discussed it three or four times. And, you know, at this point, you're setting a standard that we don't allow here. And if we continue to let you do it, then everybody here is going to feel like they can do it. And is that's not worth it to me. So, um, you know, on your point about like reviews and stuff, I hated annual reviews. Um, and, and I'm, I'm full circle on this conversation. So what we try to do is we do, um, it's, we have a rotation where each one of the management staff does what's called a one-on-one with our, with our employees. And we'll take them 98% of the time we're taking them to breakfast or lunch. Um, and it does hit the budget and, you know, there's some months where cash flow is a little tight and it's a little harder, but, uh, we'll take them somewhere decent and sit down and have conversation and just, you know, Hey, how are you? What's going on? How's little Johnny? Um, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, we ask them about other employees and their interactions with their employees. And, um, you know, a lot of times that's an opportunity for us to have a conversation too about their performance and, uh, areas that they need to improve in. And then, um, ask what we need to do. And, and in those one-on-one conversations, we tell them, look, this is safe space. Like you can say whatever you want. This is the time that you get it out. And, uh, that's where you'll start to hear, like, if you, if you go to two or three one-on-ones and they're all saying something about one particular employee, um, then, then, you know, you probably have an issue. Um, but we're able to, you know, I think about if we have a direction that we're trying to go and we meet once a year, they're so far off the path by the time we get to them that it's hard to get them back. Um, so if we, if they start to get off and then a month later we pull them back in and then they start to get off and a month later we pull them back in, it feels a lot easier that way than, um, consistency and everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company. Not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers, Between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? 
people love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram post with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The Bifold Doors are awesome, and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better Bifold than Schweiss. You know, letting them ride a long time. And I just remember the anxiety that I had the first time. Like I spent a lot of time going to the principal's office as a kid. So I felt like the annual reviews were a lot like that process. You go in, you sit down at a desk on the other side and it's kind of like, you know, it was very formal and I don't know. So I, I'm not a very formal person. I like to do things out of the box. And, um, and so it all comes from probably past experience or fears from things that I've been through. But, uh, that that's how I do. That's how I do that. Um, so the fact that your other employees helped identify that even without you bringing it, bringing it up, that's a testament to your culture as a whole, that they're able to identify that and bring that to you, which is pretty awesome. That's pretty special. We have a leadership committee too, of people that we feel like, um, aren't in leadership technically like by title, but they, they show leadership ability or um, they're viewed as, as a leader in their, in their peers. And so with that, we, um, you know, we meet with them. We just actually had our first meeting. It was probably went too long without that, but we, we assigned these people to this group probably like, I don't know, two months ago, maybe three, but my goal is to try to meet with them monthly. Um, and it just got, you know, we started it and never really put a process in place for that. So we're going to try to meet with them monthly. And, and that's where we, you know, they're, they tell us some of their frustrations and um, employees that we might need to encourage or, you know, lift up or get training, things like that. So it's a, that's also been very helpful. um, Well, this last meeting was. I, I, I admire what you're doing and what you're describing about the way you're caring for your employees. That's um, that shows where we've got room to to continue to grow and improve as far as those things are concerned, for sure. Um, all of that contributes to your staff's um, belief that you do care about them individually, uh, as well as uh, the performance of, of the company. It shows by the way that you try to engage with them. I think that's to be commended, for sure. Thank you. And I think that it looks very different for, for a lot of different people, right? I mean, you're doing an excellent job and it's not that any one of us is doing better than the other. It's just that we do it different. And um, I'm a very unique type of person in the way that I think um, that I lead and some people like it and some people don't, but we had a conversation. We're hiring a virtual assistant as a project manager for a commercial department and Josh and I, my general manager, were having the conversation about the different um, people that we were interviewing. And we had two really good candidates and we love both of them. But at the same time, one was a little bit more personable than the other one. And in uh, and, and the time they were available was probably a little bit better too. But uh, when I was interviewing with Tamara and two others, I chose Tamara because she allowed me in. I've always struggled leading people who don't let me in. 
uh, because I'm so open and transparent about myself um, that I, I want in, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a little bit different. So I, I have a personal relationship with a lot of people that I work with and I love that. But if I don't have it, I crave it. And it's kind of weird, but um, that's always worked for me. And I know that I can't hire certain people who might be really good, who want to have that wall up because we might struggle in a relationship. Well, sorry, if I give Tamara some recognition on that, that you made that choice, she has definitely brought it home for you because she made good on her end 10 times she over. Kills she kills Thank it. Thank you, Greg. You're going to make her cry. <laughs> well, we've all done that. Hopefully not today, though. <laughs> so, uh, Doug, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. You had something you, Renan? I'm just going to you know, continue to say that I think that the, um, the way that you're engaging with your staff, uh, Brian, is, is you know, obviously it, it works well for you and it's working well for them. Um, you know, they, the, the line between you know, business relationship and personal relationship is, is sometimes um, difficult to, to master. Um, it sounds like you're doing a great job with that um, because you, you want to be at least I do. I, I want my staff to know that I care about them and interested in what's going on in, in their, their lives. And we, we try to show that the way that we accommodate them when life happens, right? Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not inviting everybody out to the pool on the weekends. You know, I haven't, I haven't gone that far yet because I think that, that I need to maintain a certain level of separation uh, there between personal and professional because I don't want it I don't want the personal relationship to inhibit my ability to manage right yeah and we so it's a it's a tough balance it very well can be and great might be a stretch good probably is uh where I would place that um so I I agree I, I've definitely made mistakes getting too close to people in the past and that's affected um, but I've never been, I've always been real with people to the point where I'm like, all right, listen, uh, you're not invincible just because we're close. Doesn't mean, you know, you, you have, you can slack off or do things you're not yeah, supposed to do things like that. So if you, if the, it, and it's all about communication, right? Like I'm just so blunt. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so blunt. Tamara, I don't know, maybe you can explain it, but I, I've had people tell me I'm able to say things kindly that are very blunt. Is that? I don't know if it's, I think, and th this is kind of something that I'm noticing about everybody else on this call, um, because obviously I'm an employee, but it sounds like, um, and Ryan, this is what I would say about you, is that you are a hundred percent genuine. Like I know what to expect from you. You're never anything else than what you are at any time. And I think as an employee, knowing what to expect and having a genuine leader, um, that, that helps us so that we're not guessing. Like, I know that when you say something to me, yeah, it might be blunt, but I know you well enough to, to run that through my filter of, of Ryan, you know, yeah. does that make sense? Like, yeah. yeah. So I think that, that you being, you all, all being very genuine um, and it's very obvious that you all care about your employees. And I think that that has a lot to do with, um, you know, the way that they accept or 
or um, take the criticism or whatever it is that you're delivering to them. You know how hard it is to build a culture at like early stage. I mean, I remember like, I, I, this is my first time running a business for like blue collar people. Right. Um, I've been in white collar my whole life, sales, marketing, software. Um, and I would say that, uh, I think the motivations behind blue collar people are very different. They still like to be cared for, but job security is like way up there mm-hmm. where like sales and marketing people are like, Psh, you're letting me go. Okay. I got three other offers or, you know, I can go across the street is, you know, wherever. Um, but blue collar people like to go somewhere typically and stay uh, and then feel comfortable. Like their job's not on the line and, you know, the company's stable financially and they got good benefits and, you know, pension and all this stuff. Like all those are things that uniquely draw people uh, from the blue collar world. And and I was not used to that. I'm sitting here trying to build my garage door company, like a software company and had a really hard time. Number one, finding people, uh, finding people who wanted to work for me because I was an outsider uh, trying to get respect from people. And so like uh, I, I was so frustrated in the early years because I couldn't get the culture that I wanted. Um, and so I think the journey, like I posted something the other day, like the journey is just as important as the end result. And so if it's not where you want it to be, like work on yourself and, you know, improve daily through your journey and, and include your employees in the process. And I think if everybody's focused on it, uh, it's part of the reason why I started the show, right. Committed to culture because, we are committed and we don't do it all right. And, but this is putting a huge emphasis on what we do every day to try to make it better. And when we interview people for a position, we tell them, Hey, listen, it is a great culture. We like to think so, but you may come in here and maybe not like it as much, but if you come in here every day with the attitude that I'm going to help improve it, then we got nothing to worry about. Right. But everybody has to contribute. It's not just the leadership. Employees have to want to come in and make it better too. Well, to expand on that and and kind of go off what Tamara said, you know, until you figure out what you want and figure out what your values are and put that out there, which is something that I, I've worked really hard on doing the last couple of years, the more I put myself out there and associate myself with people like the three of you, um, more of that type of person tends to gravitate. We kind of gravitate together, right? Because we share the same values. We want some similar things. We want better for ourselves and the people around us. And one thing that I admire about you, Ryan, is giving people, I don't, not really the benefit of the doubt, I don't want to call it, but allowing them to, to have a potential to fulfill. And it's really incredible watching an employee or a friend or a peer learn and grow and allowing them to go through that process without worrying about being criticized or punished for making a decision. And there's things that I used to go to you for, for questions. Um, You know, we have a a friendship, but also a business relationship. I use you for marketing and, you know, I pay for the networking group that, that for you, right? So there's a mixed relationship there. Um, but there's times where I used to go to you with a question. I'll go to Tamara 
and I'm confident that she's going to give me an answer. And sometimes she's going to give me an answer that, you know, you may or may not agree with in the end, but you know why she made the decision. You're probably going to agree with her, but she has that levity to make that decision and know that she's not going to come back to you and you're going to be like, why the heck did you do that? That was stupid. You're going to say, okay, well, all right. I would have done it different, but let's rock with this. And next time, here's how you should do it. Let's figure out how we can move forward together. And that's really what I, I, like I said, I admire that about you. And that's something I feel I've learned from you. Um, and something that I, I really push in my own life, my own business. And the first guy that I hired kind of credits me with where he's at in life and in some, some parts of his life. And that's awesome. I get a lot out of that more than I get, you know, out of a financial transactional relationship as a boss to an employee. Like that means a lot less than where we've grown and what we've done together and what he's helped me do and what I've been able to help him do. And so that's the culture. And that's the, like I said, people kind of gravitate towards each other. Right. And I'm learning a ton from, from you guys, from you both and Tamara too, but that's my take on the whole culture thing is business is about the type of people that you do business with versus the actual business that you do. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. It's, it's just, as we said at the outset, there, there are lots of small pieces that make up this puzzle uh, that creates the, the, the culture. Um, and, you know, to the extent, uh, to your point, Greg, to the extent that you can see growth within your, within your, your staff, within your customers, uh, because of the, the leadership that you're able to provide or the environment that you're, that you're creating for them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very, very fulfilling situation. I mean, I, I, every day when I wake up, you know, the first thing I say is, God, help me make somebody's day better today, <laughs> right? And if you, if you can find a way to do that for, you're, you're kind of setting your, your brain into a, a mode where you want to be the kind of the, the servant uh, within the organization or within the family, whatever it might be. And if you, if you can even subliminally teach yourself how to do that, <laughs> it's gonna translate into all of the transactions that you have large and, and small within, within the business, with your customers um, and in your personal life. And um, it's sometimes surprising the, the strength of the impact that that has, but you, Greg, you've obviously seen that, that it's a pretty strong impact. And it's, it's always surprising when it actually reveals itself to you, the, the, the positive impact of, of those small things that you do over time. Yeah. You had mentioned like servant leadership. I'm a big fan of that. Um, And that comes with a certain level of like humility as a leader. Um, And one of the things that I hear often when I talk to employees is they're not used to their employers apologizing when they screw up. That's something I think we can all do better with, right? Like me included. Uh, But when I do recognize I screw up or say something I shouldn't, um, being able to say, hey guys, look, I said this, uh, whether it's publicly or privately, and I'm sorry, um, I shouldn't have said it that way, or I shouldn't have used those words, or, you know, um, 
that's not who I am. You know, I made a mistake. I apologize. Uh, that that humility or the ability to recognize your your faults and then be able to have that heart to heart like apology. I think that like I always say, relationships are built through um, or opportunities are, are created through um, uh, obstacles. Isn't the word, but it's the closest thing I can think of right now. Adversity. So opportunities are created through adversity. Um, And so anytime there's anything that goes wrong, it's not the thing that goes wrong that really creates a bad experience. It's how you handle the thing that went wrong is what makes it a good or bad experience. Like if you just have a good experience and nothing goes wrong, that's not even that exciting. But if you had a good experience and at the end something went wrong, but then you made up for it and you stuck with it and you were thorough with that, um, then it becomes a great experience, right? The, you know, customers are like, wait a minute, like they installed my door. I found an issue like a week later and they took care of it like a champ. Well, they were happy before, but then something bad happened. And then you did a really good job of taking care of it. And then they were like, wow, these guys really are good, you know? And then they love you and it's greater. And it's the same way with employees, I think is, if you have adversity or, you know, you have a scenario where um, it doesn't go as planned or as great and you, you show that you care or, you know, you do something wrong and you apologize and let them know that, you know, you're not going to do that again. I think that's a big deal too, like humility and um, trying to be, you know, just a person, like a human being. Well, you've got to be genuine and, and, and you know, hold yourself to the same standards that you expect your, your staff to be held to, right? Um, 100%. Um, and, and they'll, they'll boy, if you, if you don't, they'll, they'll call you out on it for sure. <laughs> you know, and they should. You know. So I, I know we're approaching an hour here, and I, I, I know everybody's got stuff to do, but I got, I got one last thing that I want to touch on, and then however, whatever else you guys want to talk about, I'm, I'm good. But um Ryan, you mentioned budget before, and Doug, you talked about celebrating birthdays and cooking breakfast and making sure people take their vacation. All that stuff requires some forethought and needs to be budgeted for. And I will say that, and I'm going to speak about your your company, Doug, resource as a whole, price-wise is generally pretty fair. Sometimes it's cheaper, sometimes it's a little bit more, but when it's a little bit more, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to price shop it somewhere else because when, especially with all this back order and limited availability stuff, when my stuff comes in, I get an email and then I got a personal phone call from Kendall is, is my primary point of contact with you guys. And so she's- what? You get what? You get email and, and a phone call when it's delivered? She's, she's personable and she represents your company well. And I can say that about the two or three other people who I've dealt with through resource, which is kind of where this whole thing started. And you get invited to come chat with us today. Um, You know, it's just, it's a good experience and you're a good business to, to, you're a good company to do business with. And so when that item is maybe a little bit more, or I could get it shipped cheaper from someplace else, you're making my life easier and everybody I speak with at your company is easy to deal with. 
So I'm going to pay a little bit more for that, which also goes into your budget to help make your employees, your people, your team members' lives better, right? And so that's like, in my good, mind. Because we're about to raise prices on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to make it to GDU later. I got I to gotta cut back someplace. So. <laughs> Tell you what, that's not someplace I would cut back because that is a fantastic networking. But um, no, but Doug, it, truly, like I, I appreciate doing business with your company. And and I just wanted to put that out there. Well, I, I, I thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I appreciate your, your kind words as far as that's concerned. We, we work hard at making sure, as I mentioned earlier, that the, the sales staff especially are empowered uh, to properly take care of, of the customers. And you know, we'll often ask ourselves, what would our competitor do? And if we do the opposite, we're usually in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I mean, we, we've—I don't—I don't mean to point fingers at, at anybody. I'm not—I'm not going to because we've got some good competitors uh, uh, that we all deal with. But um, w- when you call up a company and you get the sense that they're not really happy to hear you calling in, um, I mean that just sets the tone for the the rest of the transaction, right? And so, to the extent that we can make it a pleasurable experience for, for you and for every other customer that calls in, well, then we're, then we're doing our job because we'd like you to come back. We don't want one transaction. We want you to come back. And, and Greg, you know, we talked about, you know, the Lexus experience and, and Ryan, I'll, I'll expand on that for, for a minute. A couple of years ago, my wife needed a new car. So we bought her a two-year-old Lexus. So we go to, I've never, never been to the Lexus dealership before that year. And I have, you know, we had been to three or four car dealerships that day, and they were typical car dealerships, right? I mean, yeah, the, the guy's talking to you and looking over your shoulder at the person who's coming through the door that they're going to go get to next, right? So we get down to the Lexus dealer, and they were just tripping over themselves for the entire two and a half hours that we were there um, to, to make us feel like we were the most important person that day that they were dealing with. And then when she's gone back for to have service or they, they say, hey, they call up and say, hey, it's time for you to have your car service. We'll come by and pick it up on Tuesday. Is that, would that be okay? That Lexus experience is like, oh, I'm not going to buy a car anywhere else ever if I can help it, right? Yeah, and, and but you paid for that experience too, though. You, sure, sure you did, but I mean, it, it was such a pleasurable experience and a pain-free and painless experience that, you know, sign me up. You know, that's, that's, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, and so we, we shared that with our staff here and to try to explain to them that that's the kind of atmosphere that we want to create for our customers. And all of those little things, Greg, that they, that, that Kendall or the other staff do to try to help you on your various transactions is a reflection of that. So I'm encouraged to see that to some extent, at least it's, it's working um, and customers keep coming back. You keep coming back and so do others. And, and hopefully that's an indication that we're trying to deliver or successfully delivering some measure of that Lexus experience. That's a great story. Yeah. I love Lexus. It helped me get home from the hospital with my son or we, uh, we had snowgeddon here in Atlanta, like 2014. And that really is just, it snowed here and everybody freaked out. Uh, but <laughs> a 45 minute drive turned into, uh, what was it? I can't remember if it was nine or 11 hours. Oh my word. I think yeah. he said nine. 
it was nine, I believe took us nine hours to get home. Um, it was complete chaos. Like if you Google search Atlanta, um, snowgeddon, you'll see it was nuts. There were people like giving birth cars and, uh, people stuck on highways and running out of gas everywhere. And it was a mess. Um, so Greg gave me permission to ask questions about manufacturing and stuff. So I'm going to in this. I was like, nah, I won't do that. I, I just warned Doug that he might get some. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be easy on you. Doug, I'll say uh, on the culture bit, I, I think you're doing a lot of good things. Um, and, and it's good to see some of our suppliers in the industry really making an effort for that and setting a good example um, and customer service and all that. I, I, I've, uh, I read a review once where someone said that uh, we're Aaron overhead doors is the Chick-fil-A of the garage door business. And that was like the ultimate compliment to me. Um, that, that was incredible. Right. Like, and so um, my goals aren't to be the biggest garage door company, but be the best. And when I say best, I mean, best place to work. Um, I, I want to attract top talent from everywhere, from people who who want to come here. And and I love that. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's my, my favorite part of my job, but um, I really appreciate uh, you sharing the inside workings of your company and, and how you guys uh, work at creating a great culture there. Um, and since we don't have a ton of time left, I, I did want to ask like, have the have like the additional stresses of COVID and all of the supply chain issues and everything else, has that negatively affected your culture or the morale within your company at all? Or have you guys been able to push through? And if so, like, what did you do different to help with your team through that? Well, um, I, I think that it's provided us an opportunity to reinforce what the culture is. Uh, for example, uh, last year in March, was right when COVID was exploding and, and uh, the, the sky was falling and nobody knew what the heck was going on and, and we were getting just terrible reports about you know, the danger of COVID and, and um, you know, we made a decision to close for the entire month of March and we did that. Um, we, we made an announcement a week ahead, hey, this is, the, this is when we're closing. Um, and we paid everybody uh, for the entire month that we were closed. Um, and that was before we knew if we were going to get any PP loans or uh, PPP loans or anything like that. Um, Got a lot of respect for that. Well, it, and it, it's, you want that team to come back, right? Um, yeah. Everybody came back and um, they, I think it, it took a big burden off of, off of the rest of the staff to know that we had their back as far as that's concerned. And when we've had the snowmageddons here, you know, last year and again this year, um, you know, we've, we, if we've had to close and we have for a day or two or three, you know, we've continued to pay the staff um, uh, as if we were working. And um, you know, I, don't, I don't mention that because I want kudos for it. I mention that because that's an indication that, you know, that the culture is what it is and we're trying to be genuine to that. Um, and uh, I don't think that it has negatively impacted our, our, uh, our culture at all. It's probably enhanced it because people recognize that we really do mean it when we say we care it's awesome and so uh you had mentioned earlier that you had the crystal ball uh if you could tell our listeners from resources perspective and we, nobody bats a thousand so please don't 
hang your hat on this prediction, y'all. But uh, I love to hear from people within the industry. What do you think the next 12 months are going to bring? More of the same. Uh, I think that the, uh, the demand within the marketplace continues to be above what our manufacturers can deliver. So lead times continue to be extended, whether it's on finished goods or components. Um, the supply chain is very erratic. Um, we're all doing the best that we can to try to you know, keep inventory available for our customers, but we're having to touch every order that we would normally handle once, we're touching it five times uh, by the time we get uh, stuff out the door. Uh, and everything that I see seems to indicate to me that we're, we're in this for another 12 to 18 months before the supply chain issues and the imbalance between demand and supply starts to settle down. I can't tell you what I think is going to happen on, on pricing because there are a lot, especially right now, there's a lot of outside influence on, on uh, the economics uh, that will impact steel pricing or commodity pricing in general. Um, but I honestly don't expect to see a dramatic fallback in pricing to what we were at two years ago. Um, I think the best we can hope for is stability or a, a, at least modest increases when they have to happen. But um, that's what I see. Um, we're trying to do everything we can to hedge as far as inventory is concerned and duality in our supply chain. Um, but it's... Uh, it's certainly new territory and new ground for uh, for us. And I've been doing this for you know, in the door industry for 40 years. So I've never seen anything uh, come close to the challenges that we're facing from a supply chain standpoint. Um, and there isn't anybody in the chain who is just ignoring the problem. Everybody is, is you know, pulling out all of the stops to try to solve problems. Uh, but there are so many layers to the problem that it's a it's a complex situation it's going to take a long time to get it straightened out in my view and i almost feel like the whole infrastructure of the steel industry got tested and failed internally in the united states as well right like i feel like we just nobody thought that that could happen um so i feel like we ran our businesses that way and when it happened like a lot of the steel industry was caught off guard and really struggled to keep up. And I even heard there were like brokers that were buying up like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of steel and holding it uh, to raise demand, which ultimately raised prices. I don't know if that's true or not. It could be a rumor. So don't take that. We, from could, we could do a whole nother episode just on supply chain. But if you're in new England and you do garage doors, we will be talking about supply chain at our annual members meeting in Massachusetts on the 18th. Chill plug. Who do you attend? Got it. Go-karts, bowling, there's bars there, we'll feed you. So that's open to uh, to any any dealers in New England. Happy there to you go. Have. Doug, are you going to be at IDA Expo? Uh, we are, yeah. We, um, uh, we have downsized a little bit this year from the size of our booth in the past. Um, I have a little bit fewer staff there because we're, we're hopeful that um, the attendance is going to be great, but um, it's a little bit of an unknown. Uh, so we downsized a little bit in anticipation of, of perhaps being a little bit smaller show. But I will tell you that uh, the recent conversations we've had over the last several weeks indicate that it's going to be actually a pretty strong attendance. So I think that we, we're all going to be pleasantly surprised. I am throwing the party of a lifetime, so that might be why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding 
Doug, one this last quick one for you, because you got that full bookshelf behind you. Any recommendations on anything business or company culture related? As far as, as, far as reading is concerned? Yeah. Um, you know, um, not that I, I apologize, not that I could pull right off the top of the uh, top of my head. Most of that reading that I did was in years gone by. I don't uh, do nearly as much reading as I should today. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I could pull one out, out, of, out of my hat as far as uh, my, my go-to Bible, as far as management theory is concerned. It's what I base my approach on is, is lived experience. And what works and doesn't works, and and what I've seen people do well and do badly, and so I try to learn from that. Um, so. I think it's just as beneficial to have a bad boss as it is a good one as you're growing through your uh, progression of of a employee, especially if you have desires to be a business owner one day. Um, because I I've had great leaders and I've had bad leaders, and. Um, you know, I learned a lot from both. Like, I'll never talk to an employee like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's a check mark. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Been there, done that. For <laughs> yeah. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. I'll definitely be stopping by the booth and um, I would love to share a moment with you. And uh, I don't know if you'd drink a beer, but uh, I'll even buy you a beer and uh, we can hang out. So, you got a deal. Um, we'll look forward to it. Definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Greg, you want to say anything? I'm good, Ryan. I'm looking forward to Expo. Um, I will definitely find Doug as well. Come check out the resource booth. We can find them together. Yeah, we're we're right at the we're right at the front door, I think. So you yeah. can't miss us. But we look forward to seeing all you guys. Uh, Tara, you'll see you there as well. Um, well, uh, th thank you for the opportunity uh, to uh, chat with you today, and uh, I commend you for what you're both doing as far as your your, your efforts with these podcasts are concerned. It's good thank for you. the industry. And uh, Greg had mentioned about a book, so uh, we we won't disappoint. I um, I'm having my team start uh, start with why by Simon Sinek um, next week, and uh, we're going to go through. It. I'm not forcing them to read it, but but I, I got a book for everybody and we are going to like highlight certain parts and discuss them. And, and then at the end, uh, we're all going to share our why. Um, and so uh, it's a journey that we're going to go on as a team together. And I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, but it's a uh, start with why by Simon Sinek. Um, he's an incredible, uh, he, just a thought leader. And he's got some TED Talks uh, that I think are excellent. So you can see his uh, TED Talks on um, Start With Why or um, what's the other one? Find Your Why and Find Leaders why. Eat Last. There you go. See, I don't even have to remember anything. <laughs> I can literally forget everything on purpose and just be like, Tamara, what was I going to say? And she'd be like, it's perfect. I love it. It works. It works. All right. Well, thank you so much, Greg. Amazing job with your podcast. Yay. Good job, Tamara. Good job. Uh, Doug, pleasure having you. We should do this more often. I like the little uh, four square thing we got going on here. Yeah. Um, cool. So if uh, Doug, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, by the way, we do websites. <clears throat> uh, I appreciate that. So uh, yeah. 
So I'll see you in Vegas here in like mm, less really? than a month. Yeah. Coming up fast, right? Yep. Good, it is good deal. Fast. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Have day. Good day. Bye, guys.